Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. I am creating a snitch line for this podcast. Pete Thamel. If there's a college football playoff title this year, a military academy is going to win. All right. And SI's Pat Forty. Arkansas waterfall looks good coming out of the back of a hat there, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And here's Dan. All right. Welcome to the podcast. Pete's already off. He's off the rails already. Let me just tell you. And you know what, Pete? Let me just say something. Your behavior pre-show has has led me to change a, a, a base philosophy I have. Much like the NBA, I am now instituting a snitch line. <laughs> now, you know I have been against snitching generally, like when the tuna fish companies snitched on each other yeah. and other things. However, I am now all for it. This snitch line <laughs> thing is a great idea. I love it inside the NBA bubble. Because I don't need some guy going out and get his Chipotle on and costing us the damn Kawhi Leonard versus LeBron James Western Conference Finals. I don't need that. So I am creating a snitch line for this podcast where I am going to call in violations from you, Pat, and even Sully if he acts up. <laughs> and we'll call him in on Take you. That. So there. There'll be no. You I'm were not just giving- ripping Carmelo Anthony, but he wore the stop snitching T-shirt, if you recall. Remember that was a big controversy okay, like 10 did. years ago? Well, as you watch The Wire, that's a Baltimore thing. You know, you got to yeah, no, no snitching. No, no question. We're going to send Danny start snitching t-shirt. Start snitching. <laughs> snitch, the snitch number is any objectionable behavior that you got. Because I'm not quarantined with you mercifully. Any objectionable behavior, I'm calling the snitch line. And I'm not giving you guys the phone number of that line. So it's basically a personal venting. Call yourself. Should we start a clothing line based on the NBA snitch line? Because it's going to be a huge, buzzy thing the next three months. Oh, it's the best. Guys, hang Call on. I got to take line. a call. I hate to do this. Well, he's out. Pat's Can we keep going? Break some news. Speaking of the snitch line, I'm calling it on Pat right now. He just walked away from the podcast. <laughs> take a phone call. <laughs> I empathize. I empathize with Pat. Not all of us are uh, kingly columnists who can just opine, you know, right. like you, Dan. Don't call me. I'll call you. All right. Well, we'll be back in a moment. All right, Pat's back. I'd say we missed you, but I was busy dialing the snitch line. <laughs> <laughs> I have you. so much I Deserve can snitch it. on you guys for. So much. So many violations of right. taste, decency, protocol. By the way, I have not. I know a lot of people are asking. I have not had the Bush Light Apple yet. <laughs> I can't believe seen it. this beer. That, There's a Bush Light Apple. Yeah. Um, is it a cider or is it just on purpose? Flavor. On purpose. They beer. did this <laughs> on purpose. It's uh, hard to believe. I can't uh, think of anything that sounds on, worse off the top of my head. They painted up their uh, uh, their NASCAR last night. And uh, yeah, it's a uh, Bush Light Apple. I I don't know. I mean, it's a way to get some fruit. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to. A bush light apple away keeps the doctor close by. <laughs> How many damn apples you've been eating? <laughs> John Goodman endorsed. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm highly skeptical, but I will try it. I promise and report back. But I'm very skeptical. I just at no point have I drank a bush light and said, I wish it had some apple in it. But you know what? <laughs> the great geniuses come up with things we didn't know we needed. 
It's true. I didn't know I needed these Raycon earbuds either, but yeah. here they are. So. See? See how much better our quality of life is? Maybe that's it. Maybe this is the beginning of like a whole evolution for us. We're going to get better earbuds. We're getting Bush Light Apple. We're getting, you know. I didn't know I needed a snitch line. <laughs> now it's part of my daily life. <laughs> it's a lot going on. A lot so, going on. A whole new Wetzel. All right. Let's get to the, some college football. Now, we have been... Uh, it's been tough out there. There's a lot of pessimism amongst the decision makers. I don't know how much more, how clearer they could be from the Big Ten to the Pac-12 to the SEC to the coaches to the ADs to the commissioners basically saying, uh, we don't know. We don't know if we can pull this off. However, they are still planning to try. And this is the heart of my belief is they will try. I do not believe they will just pull the plug unless they absolutely have to. How long this effort lasts, I do not know. But I think they will try. I may be naive. Pat, you and uh, Ross Dellinger uh, had a story deep into the SEC meetings earlier this week on the different possibilities of the season. There's a handful of options. Uh, they could go conference only like the ACC and Big Ten. They could do an 8-2 split, eight conference games, two non-conference. They could do a 9, a 10-game conference. They could do eight. What did you find, and what are the different variations, including the possibility of a spring season, from your reporting? Very good story. You know, it's interesting, and I think goes to what you were saying just a moment ago, is there definitely are people out there who want to try to have a season. Uh, and I think most notably in the SEC, Big 12, ACC, and those three conferences have kind of linked arms, I think, to see say, how far can we take this to have a fall season? And basically what the SEC uh, situation comes down to, I think the, the strongest possibilities are an eight-game schedule that's conference only or a nine- or ten-game schedule that has at least one non-conference matchup against another Power Five team. What it, what it boils down to is... There are a number of schools, as we know in the SEC, who have standing end-of-season rival games against ACC opponents. Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State, South Carolina, Clemson, Kentucky, Louisville. And then there's also some other very big non-conference games within the league. LSU, Texas, uh, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Notre Dame, Georgia, Virginia, Ole Miss, Baylor. And a lot of these schools are looking at this and saying, okay, if if – you know, geography is important and trying to shrink things from a travel expense and virus exposure standpoint. Why would we send South Carolina to Missouri instead of South Carolina to Clemson? Why would we have Florida play Missouri when we can have Florida play Florida State games that they want to have already and that are literally, you know, down a highway? Uh, Kentucky Louisville is down a highway. So, you know, these games, I think there's a push to have them for, for multiple reasons. One of the problems you run into is if you're going to play non-conference games, then you're going to pick and choose which ones, and the ones you throw out are going to be the buy games because you don't want to pay somebody from the Sun Belt or the FCS level a million dollars, and those schools are going to turn around and say, legally, you can't just void a contract because you like that non-conference game more than this non-conference game. So there could be a lot of money at stake in some of these decisions as well as far as what happens to those guarantee games. Pertaining to the spring option, I'll, I'll mention this and then I'll hush up and we can have you guys talk, but the spring option has some support, but there's also a lot of resistance. It is definitely last resort to a lot of people within the league, but it may end up, you know, it may end up being the inevitable resort. Uh, but there's still there's some people and it goes to show the split just within the SEC, whereas you've got some people saying it's just not workable. And then you've got another AD who went in saying this is the best way to do it. They are going to try to kick the can down the road to the end of the month and hope they're still playing football in the fall. And they've at least got some options for doing so. But I don't think anybody's here to say, yep, they're definitely. Well, I think it's fitting that as uh, as Pat was giving the state of the uh, SEC Big 12 ACC triad, and they are definitely linked at arms via their forever partner ESPN. Ross Dellinger just tweeted that Miami has halted workouts, the 11th school to suspend or pause workouts this uh, this summer, which puts us at about 
10%, not quite, but about 10% of uh, schools around the country. So earlier on the pod, and, and obviously wrote earlier this week, my thoughts are, are, are pretty clear that it's going to be very difficult to uh, pull off some semblance of a season in the fall. People are going to try like hell. Like, there's no question about that. The ACC has talked a little bit about a pod system, three different pods, five teams each, like the Northern pod would be Syracuse, BC, Pitt, Notre Dame, Louisville, famous Northern school, Louisville. And then they could play home and home against each other and then keep open that last, uh, you know, maybe for that non-conference game, like the ones Pat was talking about, which uh, which makes sense. I'm a little skeptical on like the whole geography thing. If there's any sport that can travel safely, it's football. Like you go from your bus to your charter to your hotel, which you can control a lot. You're still going to – I don't know if schools are going to really – like, is Florida really going to bus to and from Tallahassee the day of the game? You know, like, I just – again, it, for common sense purposes, sure, but I don't really think that's going to be, like, the the device that allows you to play, if uh, if that makes sense. There's, there's no travel in college athletics more secure than football travel because you control pretty much everything. A lot of the schools just take the whole uh, – take the whole hotel. So good on all the leaders for gathering and in attempting strategy. But, you know, even since uh, since we last taped on 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 Monday, the wave of pessimism that is coming at me is uh, is continuing. And I guess one of the things that, uh, that I think is interesting is I was talking to uh, a veteran head coach yesterday and he said, I'm getting calls every day from coaches being like, what are you telling your players? Like, because players aren't dumb. The players know the odds are against them. And it's like, how do we keep pushing forward towards this goal of camp that seems fairly unrealistic to happen when it's supposed to? All right. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Lots of plans. Who knows what will actually uh, be actionable if uh, if they can get it going. But it, no one's given up. That's um, at least we have that. And uh, I'll be interested to see what. You know, the Big Ten's claiming the reason they made their announcement early is to give themselves time to really prep. I'm wondering what they come up with yeah, uh, on how to how to do this. But it's a little perilous. There just isn't a whole lot you can do. Uh, I did see this one poll. I, I tweeted it out earlier this week. 79% of college students say they will not attend a party <laughs> while at this year while at campus. Did you see that? 21% uh. of college students tell the truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, my thing would be, what's your definition of party? Because they may just be like, yeah. we just had a few people over. It's like 35 people in a keg. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or two kegs. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, there's no there's no good way to do this. It's no. it's I think grip it and rip it. One of the things that I know, you know, when these schools have come back and they've had the, the positive tests and I know Miami is a new instance, but. But the, the coaches have come back then and tried to put the fear of God into those teams that had to pause. And like, do you see now? Do you see? This is what's at stake here. When we have to stop, that's when people say, cancel the season. So they are using that. The question is, when the regular student population comes back with without being under the control of an athletic department or much of anything else, you know, they, they're going to do what they want to do and what they've always done, especially since most of them or a lot of them haven't seen each other since last March when they were sent home. So I just think when you add the full student population, you're just going to the the problems or, or complications will just grow exponentially. And we'll see how those get handled. Virtually every single team over the course of a season has at least one and not many dreaded violation of team rules. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Well, now team rules can be like going to your kid down the hall's dorm room and playing video games. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. There's going to be a lot of team rule violations. I'd like to say there's a – I mean, look, the team that's disciplined enough and can do it, although it's all it probably all fall apart, but they certainly have a chance. It's kind of the, the military academy. Well, a military academy is winning the – if there's a college football <laughs> playoff title this year, a military academy is going to win. <laughs> all right. Air Force was 11 and two last year. I'd, I'd insert them as the morning line favorite. Yeah, obviously Navy had a bounce back year under uh, Kenny Niamatololo. Never want to count them out. And Army's been a little down lately, but they've still had a had a really nice uh, run under Monk in there. So I, I really think we'll be, uh, you know, it'll be a defensive coordinator nightmare season because the the military academies are coming at you. Not to mention you can't you won't even be able to practice against what they're doing because. You can't do anything. So I'm, I'm here to call it first. Put all your uh, 
put all your put all your DraftKings money and on uh, on one of the military academies. They have the discipline installed. They have the built-in bubble. They have all the advantages. Military academies win the national title. Mark it down. Nineteen forty-six all over again. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> your era, Pat. You're, you're back. <laughs> My era. <laughs> you're from well, Colorado Springs. You can go move back home, join the bubble, write a book. Hey, uh, yeah, it's, it's all it's all out there for you, man. The last great season. <laughs> go for it, Pat. Well, <laughs> I, I like that. Uh, I'm fine with the military academy winning this thing. Air Force Academy award. wins national championship over six other contenders who actually played football. There you go. Yes. Just run out of teams. <laughs> just to just cycle down. It's like Hunger Games. Right? <laughs> you don't just die in the Hunger Games because someone kills you. It's it's falling off a cliff or That's it. you know, uh extru- you know, freezing in the cold. Stuff so happens. maybe this is it. This is it. <laughs> NCA Hunger Games. <laughs> That's it. There you go. All right. We have uh, some story updates uh, today. This one from the Intercollegiate on Mike Gundy and the famous OAN T-shirt that he wore that sparked a soul searching, if you will, out in Stillwater. The question that they asked was, how did Mike Gundy get T-shirt? And it it sort of was, I don't know if it was written or or he said it or it was implied he just had this T-shirt. I don't know. Well, turns out it was a little more than that. And so this story has been a gift for us during this offseason. Uh, OAN is the cable network I've never seen, but people uh, it seems to get lots of criticism. But I don't know. I hate all cable networks, uh, cable television networks, so or cable news networks. That's really it. But uh, this one may be worse than the others. I don't know. But uh, he was wearing the OAN shirt, and the players did not like it. And now we find out that this was not an accident. After he sung the praises of the OAN on April tenth, twenty twenty, at ten forty one a.m. Krista McClelland, the affiliate relations for the Herring Networks, Inc., which uh, does uh, OAN. Hello, Mr. Gundy. I was asked by the president of the OAN to reach out to you for a good mailing address for you. We'd like to send you complimentary OAN T-shirt and some other items. Thank you. And uh, 10 minutes later, he responded. (laughs) Krista, I would love some gear from your network. I'm a big fan of you guys! Exclamation point. Tell your boss I said thank you, and I will wear the gear proudly, exclamation point. P.S. I wear hats all the time. <laughs> Sincerely, Mike Gundy. That just kills me. Sent from my iPhone. <laughs> so actually, he got the, he did get the, I mean, they were offering him swag. Yeah. And so someone offers you swag, uh, I guess you take it. I don't know. <laughs> I, I actually originally, the way it was written, I thought he had requested it, which I was down on because it's nothing worse than really rich guys who like want free T-shirts. <laughs> Yeah. Right. I've really rich guys ask me for free books sometimes. Like, hey, you wrote a book. Uh, my 11 year old like that. Send me one. Like, dude, <laughs> you can buy it. It's $11. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the support. But uh, there's this niche wholesaler called Amazon. You could yeah. probably work. Uh, where do you get that book? I mean, really? <laughs> Real hard to find. The Amazon will take care of you. Anyway, if OAN comes calling with free swag, should you turn it down or is a free T-shirt a free T-shirt? He actually was looking for hats. This is going to be a people's court. What's people court? Oh. This? What, what do you think, Justice 40? Well, was Mike I, Gundy wrong to, to accept the offer of swag? I love the I love two details about this. First, Gundy's email address is guns at OK State. G-U-N-S. <laughs> At okstate.org or .com. Or it was until or today. Yeah, yeah. Hey, everybody, if you want to email Gundy, Guns. now you know how. The other thing, too, though, is him him groveling for a hat. He's weaseling. Hey, you know, thank, yeah. thanks for the shirt. But I also, I wear a lot of hats. It's tremendous. Why does he want to cover up those that glorious mane? He wants the mane to you flow grow out that- the back. You know, uh, I see. Arkansas waterfall looks good coming out of the back of a hat there, baby. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, but, um, well, no, is Gun- he, Gundy's is he appeal is, is has he is he susceptible to the same human instincts as 99 percent of the rest of us? Free swag. Yes, I'll take some. Yes, I am. I will absolve Gundy on that account. I once very pretty recently heard a very uh, prominent coach. It's amazing the amount of you can get done with a hat and a t-shirt and that's what he's talking about you 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 drop a little swag on people and they will listen to you they will reach into their pocket for you they will do you favors etc 
Uh, and that's this principle basically at work. So while I have managed to find fault with about 4,000 other things with Mike Gundy in 2020, I, I am not faulting him for accepting the free swag. I will counter that statement with 5 million reasons why this was a bad idea because <laughs> it resulted in a revolt on his team in a million dollar pay cut. It's an <laughs> so, expensive t-shirt. Yeah. Look, we're wearing uh, AirPods provided by our sponsor. Yeah, all right? So I, I certainly I certainly am not going to be that hypocritical to knock free swag. But that may have been the single dumbest swag request in the history of college sports. Certainly the most costly. That's a good point. One million was <laughs> one lost in separate. <laughs> <laughs> a million dollars. It wasn't no even dry fit. It was cotton. Yeah, it looked like cotton. Who wears cotton T-shirts anymore, right? The, the Mike Mike Gundy and the million dollar T shirt. There's your there's your headline. Yeah, try to find out how much. Uh, fourteen ninety nine. You can get an OAN T shirt online. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Are you on the OAN me... like online store right now? Uh, Amazon, just like oh, the books. Okay, okay, right? just like the. So books. all you guys thinking of buying a book or an OAN T shirt? Don't don't ask where you can get it. Seventeen ninety nine uh, on Amazon. It's cheaper on uh, other shows. Nine ninety five on the official website. Wow. 100% cotton. That's the cheapest yeah. t-shirt going right now, $9.95. Made wow. in the USA. At least they're doing that. I mean, it would be really hypocritical. <laughs> yeah. It would be pretty <laughs> funny if it was made in China. I got to say. Made in China. Would not be. <laughs> that wouldn't be good. There you go. Some of these are looking pretty sharp. I might get one. Senator Hawley would not approve of that. Um, do not send me a freebie. I'm not taking it. But anyway, uh, we do. I have wonder that. how many people are going to how many reporters are going to wear OAN T-shirts to Big 12 Media Day next year and just like stand in front of Gundy's nah. podium. <laughs> yeah. See, that's why they keep canceling these media days. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also, uh, look, we don't want to be a political talk show here. And um, we certainly uh, make no endorsements or anything else on who you want to vote for or don't vote for whether you even vote. I mean, honestly, some of you guys aren't that smart. Probably be better off if you sat, <laughs> sat out the elections. I don't know. But uh, it, it, do whatever the hell you want. But uh, we cannot avoid the fact that former college football coach Tommy Tuberville, Old Miss, Auburn, most famously, Texas Tech, where he famously left in the middle of a recruiting dinner, and Cincinnati secured the Republican nomination for Senate in the great state of Alabama. And that means uh, he's probably going to win because it's Alabama. So uh, we're very close to having a former football coach as a senator. Uh, we have one, at least one football player. Corey Booker played at Stanford, correct? Yep. Okay, so we have a former player as a senator. So football's, this is bipartisan college football. Tuberville, Tom Osborne uh, was a senator, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Tom Osborne, I think, was a rep. Uh, he might have been. He, he might have been, been a rep. He was in Congress. Yeah. He yeah. was in Congress, but they only have like one one guy in yeah. in Nebraska. So, or it's like statewide. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> Steve Largent. Maybe they they yeah, he was House of Representatives, third district. Third okay. district. Third district. Okay. I, enjoy, I did enjoy your Nebraska population jab, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Don't don't look to me for this stuff. All I know is Tubbs is heading to the Senate. <laughs> Not before uh, it's going to be a brutal campaign based on the the Twitter feed of the Alabama Democrats who. So we neither endorse nor not in like we just we're nonpartisan, but we do endorse solid college football trash talking and humor. And I will credit Alabama Democrats, which just seems like a lonely organization. Just like, <laughs> just a couple people it's like. It's like the UMass football message board. <laughs> yeah, it's like five, six guys on the, you know, a couple to meet up at Starbucks. They had their annual state convention at the Starbucks in Montgomery. They fit in the just it doesn't seem like much, but they got a good Twitter feed, which I had never seen before. Uh, not surprisingly, uh, Alabama Democrats like this. He lost his last Iron Bowl 36 zip collects millions of dollars in pension money from hardworking Alabamans and built investors based on their trust in his investment vice. Tubbs, uh, Doug, Doug Jones is his opponent, going to run through you like Fred Talley at an 11 a.m. Jefferson pilot game. <laughs> that tweet was made for Sully. 
Like that was like Sully was the intended audience of that tweet. Solid SEC trash talk there. I have to say the best muckraking I've ever heard is from the Democratic Party of Alabama saying Tubbs can't win the election because he couldn't beat Vanderbilt. (laughs) I'll get to that one. You got more. You scared of your own shadow? Can an incumbent Democratic senator win a red state? Us. Ready to storm hell with a super soaker. Tuberville couldn't score a TD for two weeks with four first rounders on his offense. He also <laughs> lost to Vanderbilt. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's like, that's good oppo research. Couldn't score a touchdown for two weeks with four first rounders. You know? That's yeah, no, no, these guys are serious <laughs> business. Yeah. The, the Alabama Democrats came strong. I don't, this <laughs> may be their best, their best stuff. Uh, wait, they have more. I found another one, Dan. This is from uh, this is from sometime on Wednesday. Alabama Democrats. We tell you the most accurate recent polling we've seen has Doug Jones tied with Tubbs 46, 46. But you'd think we were lying because Tubbs couldn't put 46 up on anybody except Jackie Sherrill. <laughs> Poor Jackie Sherrill. What did he do? Yes. He knowing so I, knowing I started, Jackie, he will file a lawsuit by the end of the week on that, too. Yes. <laughs> the, I, I started following the Alabama Democrats Twitter feed for pure entertainment purposes. And like the disappointing part is when a tweet pops up and it's just like random analysis of the Dothan sheriff race. And you're like, wait a minute, what, what am I following? Like where like we, they need an Alabama Democrats make fun of Tubbs feed. I think that's uh, that would that. be that right. would be. Better suit. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. <clears throat> yes. Other than that, it's like lonely UMass football takes. Like, we need to run too tight end more. <laughs> I am not a uh, political consultant, but I'm not sure that trashing his run at Auburn, where he was an exceptional football, he did an exceptional job. Is, <laughs> yeah. I don't know that's going to work. Uh, certainly, there's still some bitter Alabama fans that uh, lost six in a row to him. And uh, they didn't get to win the national championship, but they were undefeated one year. But I don't think uh, uh, if that's the record you're trying to tear down on Tuberville. Yeah, there's uh, so much else to tear down, frankly. Like, (laughs) yeah, you know, when he when he looked at all the reporters at Ole Miss and said, the only way I'm leaving this job is in a pine box. And then two days later, he left for Auburn. There was when he left, as you alluded to, the the Texas Tech job when he left in the middle of a recruiting dinner. And then there was basically retiring on the job at uh, at Cincinnati. I mean, he he just absolutely put it in park, took the money and stopped coaching there. Well, the most controversial thing that's going to come up in this uh, in this next race. And when uh, if college football is canceled this fall, I I joked with uh, my editors at Yahoo that they can just send me to Alabama and I'll cover Tubbs's race because it could be the most interesting college football related thing that happens. Uh, His wife killed a man in a car accident that was controversial in Lubbock. And that is going to come up in this race. And he also ran in a a, a, or co-founded an illicit hedge fund. So there is like plenty of dirt. Like Tommy Tuberville is the most fantastic modern college football character and and let me like preface this by saying i like the guy pat i'm sure you like the guy he's charming he's available he's funny, funny. like you, you would you would have a heart he, there is a genuine charisma to him now part of me like this week i wrote a big story on his, his race part of me was like that guy's gonna be a u.s senator but then i'm like ah, i like that guy you know like you just see just there's a there's a natural there's a natural warmth to him but two things tommy tuberville when you're writing the history of the last generation of college football that he was on the ground floor of is one that 04 auburn season really set the seeds for the college football playoff it took a while yep. but mike slive pointed back to that season time and time again and then little known fact i didn't even put this in my column the other day he was also jimmy sexton's first college football coaching client hmm Wow. Jimmy doesn't work with him anymore. But like that, you want to talk about starting two monstrous enterprises. Those are two pretty monstrous enterprises that that Tubbs gets uh, Tubbs gets woven into. So a classic modern coaching character. I golfed with him a couple of times at the American Media Days over the years. Let's just say he wasn't afraid to, you know, like kick a ball out of the rough here and there. <laughs> you know, like, you know, the same diving into gray areas that brings you success in college football coaching definitely uh, transcended to the golf 
golf course. The point as I was writing this, I was like, this guy, remember he survived the coup. Pat broke the story, right? Like the Bobby Petrino coup. Yeah. Like the guy's seen it all. Like his simplicity in, came, in campaign strategy was just very succinct. He didn't debate anybody. He didn't go out on any policy limbs. He didn't really declare what he was going to do other than I'm going to stand for Donald Trump and I'm going to be linked with him. And again, this isn't going to be political. The numbers make tons of sense. I had a political consultant say to me, if he's going to lose the race to Doug Jones, 350,000 people have to go to the ballot in November in Alabama, vote for Donald Trump, and then not vote for Tubbs. And that's just not going to happen. Senator Tubbs in Washington, I will I will watch that SEC Network uh, reality show. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty good. Yeah, I don't I don't. Ex he's smart enough to lay low. I mean, he's obviously he also has been in the public eye so long and yeah. He was, he was, that Auburn team back in the day was, that was a hell of a team. Really good. And it's almost like, you know, once he left Auburn, he didn't do a great job at tech, but that's a hard job. He kind of, he did nothing at Cincinnati, which basically <laughs> Mark a winning record at both places. Like he ended bad both. He was like four and eight at the end of Cincinnati and he did mail it in. I'm not arguing he that, mailed but like, that in. he wasn't terrible. And he, he left a, he left a terrible roster at Cincinnati too. Yeah, he, but he I, took a machine though. D'Antonio, Cal Brian Kelly, and Butch Jones had all won there. Yes. Big. And yeah, then no, Luke they, Fickle he, has won Cincinnati, since, he inherited a very good program. But uh, I don't really think that his uh, final season, the uh, 2016 4-8 campaign with the Bearcats, is going to swing a whole lot of voters it's not. In, uh, in this thing. So, Senator Tuberville, uh, man, you just never know in America. Pretty much anything can happen. All right, maybe we didn't see Tuberville coming, though. But... Who would you want? Well, I know we have one potential candidate we all agree would win easily. And uh, we all think would certainly bring some uh, passion, some spirit, and uh, I don't gumbo. Know, and gumbo to the, to, to the to Capitol Hill. Sully, play the ad that we think can get this, this election over with. Our beloved head coach, Ed Orgeron, is moving from the sideline to the Senate, and he has the game plan to take the state of Louisiana to new heights. Go Tigers, go Tigers, go Tigers. He took the Tigers <laughs> from average to perfect, and he could do the same for our state. Go Tigers, go Tigers, go Tigers, go Tigers. Vote Coach O for Senate. Go Tigers, go Tigers. This ad has been paid for by JoJo at Rogers Dabs Homer in Mississippi. Rolls what? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> The debate would just be go Tigers. That's it. That's it. You don't have yeah. to do any debate. No. Yeah. He'll promise to be as conservative as Les Miles' offense. <laughs> oh. <laughs> See? Look, all you need, yes, a Louisiana. simple message. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. That's it. What else you need? You throw in the roll tide <laughs> FU. That, that takes it over the top. Brilliant. Brilliant campaign strategy from Sully. 98%. I mean, this is going to be Saddam Hussein level victory. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, you have a, a, a candidate for Senate from the coaching rank. Yeah, well, first of all, he's, he's no longer still a coach, but the guy who should actually made a terrible career choice by becoming a football coach instead of a senator or some other politician was Bill Curry, who was the smartest, most principled, charismatic football coach I ever came across when he was at Kentucky. I knew, had covered him a little bit when he was at Alabama before that. He should have been a senator. Now, among current day guys, uh, I think you can look and say Tom Herman's got some charisma, could get it done, I think. Lincoln Riley's got the smarts and the pragmatism. Mario Cristobal would get in there and really rally the fan base out west. I think, you know <laughs> what, he would get people to the polls to vote for him. So those are my three guys I think that I would be, uh, would be my leading candidates right now. Okay, cool. Vote him. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Survived the strip club, uh, the scandal, and, and and made it through. Yeah, he's bulletproof at this point. I have so many better candidates than Pat just mentioned. It's not even close. I start with Brian Kelly, who actually mm -hmm. started his career in politics and ran Gary Hart's presidential campaign in Massachusetts in the early 80s. What happens when All he right? goes purple-faced on somebody in a debate? Oh, I think that I think that, that would the Indianans would love that. <laughs> Um, so we start with Brian Kelly. We go to Manny Diaz at Miami. His father was the mayor of Miami, uh, at one juncture in the past few years. And Manny certainly has the poise, the intellect to, to gracefully handle, uh, handle the duties of Congress. David Shaw has probably the most senatorial aura 
of any uh, of, of any coach out there. Dave Clawson, Mr. Penny Loafers at Wake Forest, who uh, who just kind of you know went to Williams is probably the smartest college football coach I, I've, I've come across. He would certainly be able to have the he has the most intellectual heft of the uh, of, of his coaching peers. And I, I think he would uh, he would certainly be a nice uh, a nice candidate. He's uh, he got teased early in his career for constantly wearing penny loafers. So he kind of has that uh, he has that he has a congressional ethos. Manny Diaz couldn't well, handle his uh, quarterback situation. How's he going to handle a campaign? <laughs> flip-flopper. It's a flip-flopper. <laughs> I, if Manny Diaz ran a campaign against Lincoln Riley, he would toast him. Oh. If they had to actually play each other, it would be close. <laughs> Lincoln Riley, way too smart for Manny Diaz. And not, not saying that Manny Diaz is dumb. Lincoln Riley, real smart. Who do you got, uh, Dan? Well, I, I, David Shaw was obvious. That's, I mean, yeah. that's a... He's, he could do more for the world than be the Stanford head coach. He's great for he the is. Stanford players. But that yeah. guy, that is what you call an impressive person. I mean, there's some other obvious ones. Mac Brown. I don't know how he's uh, not a senator. Yeah, uh, right. Multiple states. Yeah, right? that's a great point. I mean, Mac Brown, point. my goodness. Pat Fitzgerald, I think, would be a tremendous, mm. like, yep. you know. He'd be a he Chicago politician, man, you know. I mean, he's from there. He's, yeah, got, he's right? got that. He'd be walking. They would count up some extra votes. Every man. Yeah. Knocking on doors and sounding like Pat Fitzgerald. How about Paul Chris? Do we think Paul Chris could get some votes? Paul Chris could get some votes. (laughs) In the sweatshirt. sweatshirt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're wearing the sweatshirt into (laughs) Sheboygan, going to rallies. Yeah. Wait for the. Yeah. Right. I think Ryan Day is a very reasonable human being. It would actually the kind of guy you want. Like, kind of. It just seems thoughtful, but. Yep. Got, you know, maybe like more of a bipartisan guy. I don't know what party he'd run in. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that. But uh, I would like to see uh, the lane train go to Washington. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> lock up the interns. Lock up. Yeah. Lock up the interns. The lane train's coming. You know how they like the. the <laughs> I don't even want to make that joke. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> You know when Dan's internal filter <laughs> shuts off a joke, it was completely inappropriate. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> anyway, I think we got a lot of people in college football who do a tremendous job for a sport with no leadership and just rudderless bouncing around. Uh, I think these guys would all do a terrific job uh, as, as U.S. senators. So if, if the problem is, um, why the heck would you take that job when you're getting paid $5 million a year to do maybe not even coach a game this year? Yeah. You know, yeah, and people will applaud you if you take a mil. You know, I'll only pay me four million this year, doing it for the school, doing it for the school. Uh, all right, rudderless leadership during this entire debate, and I know this is how the sport is structured. Uh, college football is is run by the conference commissioners, not by any central body. The NCAA is just sort of there to regulate. But question I have is, where's Mark Emmer? The, the college sports is literally on the brink. And I'm not saying Mark Emmert should have some magic bullet solution to solve it. It's not easy to solve, but he doesn't even seem to be in any of the discussions. No one's consulting with them. I, I, again, I understand the structure of how this works. The SEC is not going to listen to anyone other than the SEC. But would a better NCA president at least be in the middle as a sounding board consultant something? And maybe I'm not hearing, maybe it's out there and I'm not hearing it, but what are your thoughts on the Mark Emmerich performance or non-performance during literally the biggest crisis facing college athletics? Uh, because there is going to be teams. I mean, everything's going to fall apart. And and where is he? Oh, he's been an absolute non-factor. There's no doubt about it. And it points out the fundamental flaw in the NCAA and how it's set up is that basically it serves a couple of functions Neither one of them pretty well, one of them not that well, and that's it. But everybody looks at it as the national body, but it has so little control over most of the national body. You know, it it, it hosts and uh, puts on championships, and I think they do a very good job of that for the most part. And then it also serves as police force, and they don't do a very good job of that. But really, that beyond that, we have the five crime families basically that are the power five doing what they want to do. <laughs> and then we have the, the group of five trying to be part of the situation. And then we have everybody else outside of the FBS 
and they are they they are going to, as you said, they are they're acting on their own best interests. That's why realignment went haywire. That's why we have a different, we have an autonomous five versus everybody else for making rules. And Mark Emmert has at times in his tenure attempted to be the out front guy, the leader, the, the at to, one time the hammer when he tried to, to hammer Penn State worked very poorly. All right. He didn't, those situations did not go well. And so they've basically tried to mitigate his role and downsize his role to the point where he he's a non-entity. You know, he will stand up there. They shoot at the final four as Pete knows, as Dan, you, you know, but we they don't even put him on a podium by himself anymore. They don't trust him to do that. They surround him with the presidents of the D1 council and the D2 council so that he can deflect questions off here and there because uh, they don't find him as a, as a trustworthy spokesman for the college sports entity. So, you know, this is this is part and parcel of one of the major problems in college sports. Nobody's in charge. And especially Mark Emmert isn't in charge. If John Marinato was still the commissioner of the Big East, the crime family analogy would have been a lot smoother because <laughs> he really, if you had to pick a commissioner, when when this devolves into a pop culture podcast in mid-October when there's no football, we can we can say which commissioner is tied to like which modern crime family. That would be there like go. a good Bill Simmons ripoff uh, <laughs> podcast. I agree with Pat and uh, I wrote a column on Thursday that that went up on Yahoo that, that tackles this issue. I mean, Mark Emmert is essentially like, uh, an ode to the modern graft of college athletics. He's making $3 million a year, and he does nothing. He's just basically taking a long, leisurely nap. It's to the point, actually, where I really think that the, the power has shifted so much that I don't think that president of the NCAA is going to ever have power in the future. Right. A couple of people wrote this this week. This is like a popular like Final Four bar conversation. We need a czar. We need a czar. Well, you really think those five crime families are going to just allow someone to go ahead of them and tell them what to do? No way. There is no way there's going to be a czar of college football. It's a good idea, but the way the sport has morphed and repositioned itself, there's zero chance. I was talking to an AD last night, and he was like, I laugh every time I hear someone say a czar. It's like, now, if they put a guy to, to report to the Power Five commissioners, maybe that would work. Anyone who thinks that, you just ask them what, uh, where the two best time slots for the sport are. Are they for the college football playoff for the greater good? Or are they for the coffers of the SEC, Big 12, and most importantly, Big 10 and Pac-12? All right. The sport can't even get its championship right because everyone is just clinging to power and everyone's defiantly clinging to their slice of the cookie. So there's no way people are going to give up mass amounts of power and have someone roll in and what to do. Like all of our luck is like always the magical decision. We'll just bring in all of our luck and everything will be better. There's you know, Greg Sankey's going to start answering to Oliver Luck all of a sudden one day because somebody made a decision like that. There's there, there's no chance. Now, all that said, the NCAA structure is like 50 years outdated. Coach K has been calling for a czar for basketball for years. Now, in basketball, I think you have a chance because at least in basketball, the NCAA is the stick because it has the finances of the NCAA tournament behind it. And I really feel like as college sports move on, they need to blow everything up and start over. Right. And to blow everything up and start over, you should at least have like a point person for every sport and stop trying to shove everything under one roof. It didn't work 20 years ago and it's abysmal now. The most depressing part of uh, of my column was looking up how long Emirates are there. Till. He's there to 2023. But I guess like whoever replaces him probably isn't going to do anything. My biggest criticism of Emirates is he stopped trying. I mean, there's, there's just no there's no stick. So supposedly the last two, three weeks since uh, Congress, I think it was Blumenthal, Senator Blumenthal called out Michael Drake for being like, why doesn't NCAA have a testing plan? All of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, we need a testing plan. Ah, and that came out today. So, yeah. But Mark Emmer is just happily napping, counting his millions. And, you know, to his credit, like he's a political savvy guy. He was a college president. He's a bright guy. You know, he's kept the presidents who control his contract close. I would estimate, and, and Dan or Pat, you can disagree with me, if you did a approval rating amongst athletic directors in the power five of Mark Emmerich, he would have less than 5% approval rating. Only Scott Woodward would vote for him that I'm sure of because he's like his son's married to his daughter or something like that. So other non-relatives of Mark Emmerich, I would think he has a less than 5% approval rating amongst ADs. I th yeah, uh, probably. And I, I mean, I just think, how do you, how are you just a complete non-factor in this? Just a complete non-factor during this time. And you make a great point, Pete, about we need a czar. That whole talk, like the, the 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 fact that the Sugar Bowl 
will not give up this completely meaningless Big 12 SEC pairing at night. And that really blocks having the semifinals on New Year's Day. Uh, you could argue the, the Rose Bowl should too, which I think. But at least the Rose Bowls had a tie between the Pac-12 and the Big Ten for a long time. Now, I think they should both just – but you could play a game at one. You could play another game at, at eight. Or you can't get the Rose Bowl to – or the, 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 the Rose Bowl to move their game a little earlier because of the sunset. Things like that. They're not willing to do anything for their most valuable product. Zip. It's all turf war. So nobody's listening to them. But I still think there is a role as a central – if you had a better person in that role. I'm not Oliver Luck would not control it anyway, but Oliver Luck would at least walk Henry in. Kissinger wouldn't control it. Right. Like, right. Henry Kissinger. But you could at least walk into the various factions and 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 be somehow a sounding board or some kind of cons- consultation or something. We're just not seeing that. So this is where we're at. Baffling that, that something this big. It's also kind of what makes the sport awesome is <laughs> well, it's tribal yeah, yeah, and, and there's right. feuds. And I mean, you just don't get like the, you know. The NFC North just hates the <laughs> AFC South. Like, it's just the, the, the rivalry between those two divisions. Like, it just doesn't happen, right? right? No, and the fans buy into that, too. Though. That is part of the flavor of it, for sure. It's dysfunctional, but, you know, dysfunctional families have always made good television, and so they can make, you know, they can make good college sports, too. <laughs> All right, final update, news update. We don't know the full extent of this story. However, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. A kangaroo named Jack was just exploring the neighborhood outback of his home north of downtown Fort Lauderdale when police had to jump in and capture him for safety's sake. Jack went peacefully to the back of the patrol car to the barn where the police department's horses are kept. He's so nice, said the owner. He didn't mean to harm anyone. All right. A kangaroo. A kangaroo was loose in Fort Lauderdale. He was uh, spotted hopping down the 1600 block of North Andrews Avenue at 9.30 in the morning, which would certainly be startling to whatever uh, motorist or pedestrian uh, or homeowner saw that. See a kangaroo. But our question is, is this Jack character? Is Jack the kangaroo the same kangaroo that got loose in Guntown, Mississippi about six months ago? And did he, like many of us, decide I want to go to the beach? (laughs) So I'm going to hop my way to Fort Lauderdale for spring break. And then he ended up just staying down there. Is Jack our missing Guntown kangaroo that we presumed was dead because he was in a town named Gun and uh, got got shot up mm. and mounted? Now, this guy, this owner claims that uh, this is a, quite a story. OK, you will see if you believe this. OK, he got the kangaroo about four months ago. Uh, uh, timeline. Uh huh. From a man who was moving from mm-hmm. his home in Davie and didn't want Jack anymore. So he took him in. Mm-hmm. Unnamed man in Davie, Florida, apparently had this kangaroo that he no longer wanted and sold him or gave him away. Seems a little suspicious to me. He hangs out at this guy's house. So, Pete, what is the decision? Is Jack the missing kangaroo from Guntown? It's an 888-mile hop. <laughs> it's a lot of hopping, but he had some time. Well, of course it is. And I have to say, look, I, I cried tears of joy when I found out that our kangaroo was alive. I did. I was overcome with emotion, gratitude to hear that he had escaped the, you know, the free fire zone of Guntown and turned south. And I, I, I looked it up. It was last November when our kangaroo went missing. So that gives him time to relocate hmm. to Davy during the warm weather. To become, you know, be be taken in by this one owner, and then eventually to be moved on to the other guy. So I, there, with there is one hundred percent certainty in my mind, our kangaroo is alive and well, and was had been drinking pina coladas on the beach in Fort Lauderdale. Hallelujah. Here's my question: with the, with the virus outbreak in Florida, is our Guntown <laughs> kangaroo going to have to retreat back to somewhere safer? Is he going to have to hop back to Mississippi? Is he going to put himself back in the crosshairs of potential gunfire? I, it's definitely him. I mean, has there ever been a doubt? How many loose kangaroos are just bouncing around there? Where'd you get that kangaroo? Oh, this guy. Uh, he had him. Uh, he was moving. Yeah. yeah. He had him. 
was in a van. Dumping Daisy, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, he just gave him to me. A kangaroo. And I just took him in. Sure. It's fishy. Very, very fishy. Might be. We hope he doesn't get COVID down there. It's a hot spot. It's a hot yeah. spot, they say. Yeah, it is. You know, they, they keep saying that, like a squirrel got COVID. Like, who's testing the squirrel? I don't understand this stuff. We did. We had a squirrel with bubonic plague this week in uh, Colorado. Was it the squirrel got bubonic plague or Bu- did he get COVID? No, right. he got bubonic plague in Colorado. Why were they testing this squirrel? Probably because the squirrel was acting weird, so they wanted to figure out what was wrong with it. I'd want to test Shows that what squirrel, I know. too. Well, I hope that thing doesn't come to any of the squirrels in my yard because I don't need that. All right, all right break, breaking news. Hold on. Sully is alerting me. He has, he has video and audio from uh, Twitter user DJ Frisco, at DJ Frisco 954. Of, uh, <laughs> who, I don't know if this is DJ Frisco or is it somebody else who in Fort Lauderdale upon the finding of the kangaroo. What happens when a kangaroo is discovered in a major metropolitan area? Because I imagine it would be unnerving in Guntown to see a, a kangaroo, but at least you're like, you know, one with the nature. But here is video of the kangaroo popping down the street. Look at this bitch. Yo, look at this motherfucker go, man. Fort Lauderdale, we got a kangaroo, man. Fort Lauderdale, we got a kangaroo down in this motherfucker. Look at this kangaroo. Fuck that motherfucker. What in the world? We might need that guy to do play-by-play I mean, for sport. That'd probably be my, re- it's my reaction if I saw a kangaroo popping down the street. It would be one of the stranger sights out there. And uh, that was very artistically delivered by our man, DJ Frisco 954. <laughs> DJ Frisco should become the Miami Hurricane uh, play-by-play guy. Absolutely. Can you imagine applying that phrase to a wide receiver gets loose? There he goes. I mean, he had some good luck. Look at that bleep bleep go. There we go. All right. Well, we're happy that the kangaroo, uh, I guess, is alive. You guys want to believe in the fantasy fairy it's true, tale. Dan. Um, it's true, But it's better. It's just better. It's like... It's like when Bambi's mom got it, you know, you, you got to tell your kids, nah, nah, it's just a grazing shot. She, Bambi's mom went to a farm upstate <laughs> and the kangaroo. They would never no, make Bambi. No, now. they would never make it because Bambi's head, no mom's way. head got blown off. No way. It's really a dark turn for a Disney. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Huh? We've covered some ground today from Congress to the bubonic plague of squirrels. <laughs> Come on, let's play some football. You think we need football? All right. Please subscribe to our show and leave us nice reviews. And uh, we'll be back next week with more college football excitement. Talk to you later. I'm Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So Subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at Skullduggery Pod.